Hey guys, what's going on NBZ? Today we're going to have a little bit of a different type of episode. I'm not going to have a guest, but I'm actually going to share a presentation that I did at JillCon this past weekend. Now, JillCon was the company-wide event at Jill's office down in Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and they had asked me to come to share what it was like being an entrepreneur because they wanted their employees to be able to know who they're serving and how they impact the people that they serve. So if you've never heard of Jill's office, you can go check them out. Uh, they're super awesome. Uh, Jill'sOffice.com, I think. Uh, but check out Jill's office. Um, they're more than just an answering service, and I use them in my own company uh, today, as a matter of fact. We use them uh, now, and we also use them back when we were a smaller company, and I didn't have an office manager. And that's the beauty of them is you can use them in different capacities. But anyway, this is the presentation that I gave. I hope you guys enjoy it. And I'd really love some feedback. So whether it's on Facebook or on YouTube or on Podbean or wherever you're listening or watching this thing, uh, let me know what your thoughts are. If you want to see the video, you can always go to the YouTube channel and check out the video as well. And as always, guys, if you're not doing what you want to be doing in life, you better have a damn good reason for it. But if you're not pursuing those things, there's no good reason for it. I hope you enjoy the presentation. Peace. So quick show of hands, who's taking a call for TRT pressure washing and window cleaning? A few of you? All right, cool, cool. I, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Um, quick show of hands, who, uh, how many of you have TRT pressure washing and window cleaning as your favorite client? Oh wow, you guys are mean. <laughs> oh my gosh, all right, let me pull up myself here. So, <laughs> so guys, um, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't even know why. Brand, I'm going to put that click in my pocket. I'm just going to have you click when I tell you. I got you. So I can do this. All right. I don't know why. Pardon me. I don't know why they asked me to be here. I have a feeling they like tormenting their employees. So they, they chose the right person. Um, that whole guru thing that he mentioned, I'm kind of a big deal. I've got a YouTube channel. My mom subscribes. Um, <laughs> It's, it's pretty neat, but but I, I've got a YouTube channel. I'm like a big fish in a small pond kind of thing. Like pressure washing companies know who I am, you know. So it's not a real claim to fame. But um, I'm gonna get right into it because my my goal today is really just to try to give you guys some insight into the mind or the life of the people that you serve. You know, just so you know what it's like like on our side of the fence here. Um, before I do, uh, just tell me a little bit about me. First off, I married my high school sweetheart. This year we'll be married 20 some odd years. Um, 24. 24. <laughs> and uh, Melissa's a lucky woman. Very happy for you. <laughs> Thank you for laughing because I tell a lot of jokes and 20% of the time they hit every time. So. Uh, <laughs> All right, so getting into me, um, guys, I've married my high school sweetheart. I've got three kids that I love, just not very much. My youngest one, just as a joke, I don't love them at all. Um, uh, the three kiddos, my youngest one just turned 18 this year. My oldest turned 22. My oldest is one of the owners of TRT Pressure Washing and Window Cleaning, so he's also one of your clients. And... Um, 
Um, that's it. They're not that interesting, so I'm not going to tell you a lot about them. But I got three kids. They're really, really awesome. They're a lot of fun. They all still live at home. Um, and as long as they're doing certain rules, they get to once they graduate high school, as long as they're investing in themselves. We, um, uh, I grew up in a small town, and I kind of got like the bad and the good from like the small town thing. So Oklahoma, a little, I was born in a town called Nowata, Oklahoma. We do have water. Um, it's a Native American term that means welcome. If you're from Oklahoma, if you're born there, you're automatically one of two things. You're Native American and you're a Christian, period. That's just the rules. You don't have a choice, so <laughs> that's how that works. But um, am I doing something wrong? Oh, Brand was like, so I don't know. Um, but, uh, but grew up in a small town, but I got the good stuff from that, you know, that kind of all-American kind of attitude. But also kind of, it was a small, poor town, and I grew up, you know, pointing at my brain, very poor. Now, there was times throughout my life that, through my childhood, that I was definitely in poverty, and I lived in a car for a couple of months, or a couple of weeks with my mom. Uh, and then there was times I had a lot of excess, you know, nice stuff, you know, so I've kind of, kind of had a both. But I, um, I, I didn't really have a plan when I graduated high school. I didn't know what to do, and frankly, I didn't even know that you were supposed to have a plan in life. You know, when I heard those kinds of things, that was just kind of like something you'd heard on TV or, or what was going on. So I never really had like this grand vision. It's just you get a job, hopefully you get enough money to go on vacation every now and then, and one day you die. And that's, that was just kind of, kind of life. And um, I was pretty much a deadbeat. You know, now I was a good person, you know, I was a nice person, I treated people well, but I, um, I wasn't improving myself, I wasn't dependable, I was a terrible employee. Um, the things I did well, I kind of got from my personality. I do have, you know, I'm kind of a people person, I'm an extrovert, and that's kind of saved me in pretty much every area <laughs> of my life as I went through. It's probably caused me more problems. Um, I played video games instead of helping her around the house when the kids were little, you know? That's the kind of guy I was. I heard someone else that has a husband like that over here that just laughed, so. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but that's kind of who I was. So I wasn't like a bad human. I wasn't a bad person. I just wasn't real, I wasn't doing anything significant. Um, I was essentially an overgrown child. I was just an adult overgrown child. Uh, in my late 20s, we'll say 30-ish, I forget exactly, um, I kind of woke up one day. It's, it's actually a long story, I could talk a long time about it, but a flip, uh, a flip switched, a switch flipped, and I realized, oh my gosh, I don't have a plan, but I should. Oh my gosh, I'm literally going to work until the day I die. Oh my gosh, you know, all of these things started hitting me. And I've, I've since learned there's this thing called a quarter-life crisis. And that's kind of what I was having. And except it wasn't kind of. It's literally what I was having. And I got a new job, started working in security. I'm not like security guards, but, you know, fire alarms and security systems and cameras and stuff like that. And at the same time, getting that job around those 30-ish years old, um, that's when that switch flipped for me and I switched from being that guy I had described to I literally became like the best employee at this new company I was at just because I finally had a hunger and a goal and a drive and 
Uh, if you've ever heard of Dave Ramsey, you know, we were like introduced to Dave Ramsey. He's the get out of debt guy. And Melissa and I have spent 13 months on baby step two of getting out of debt. And I worked six days a week, 12 to 14 hours a day. And we, I think we spent a hundred dollars a month on having fun and we just grinded it out and we were progressing in life. And I went from a job right before that, that I was making just a little more than minimum wage, trying, trying to support a family of five, to about three and a half years later, I had the titles, or the, the letters V and P in my title, and I was making about $150,000 a year. And that all happened in like three and a half years. It was a crazy ride, wasn't it? I had all kinds of friends from high school. Now I was like, in high school I was like really good at football, but then it kind of stopped there. You know, I barely graduated. You know, I, uh, I had friends calling me from you know years and years and years in the past that were saying, "Bobby, what happened?" <laughs> they were trying to be nice, but they were like, "You really sucked." And that, well, what happened? You know, because they were seeing me on TV doing commercials, and they were seeing me uh, or hearing me on the radio doing ads and, and all this stuff with this company that I was working for, but building up. And I basically said, "I don't know." Uh, uh, Switch flipped. I don't know. It just kind of happened, you know. Right place, right time, opportunity, meeting, preparation, and yada yada yada. So we uh, we started having a lot of fun. Started having a lot of success. I kind of got a big head, quite frankly. Um, small town Oklahoma guy. I'm, I'm now a vice president, which was really just a vanity title, just to make me feel good in my position that I was in, and um, and that was cool, but. I started to realize in my life, you know, kind of another switch flipped, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have anything going if something happens to this. So, and I probably need to speed up and kind of give you my background here, but I had realized, man, I don't have an education. I barely got out of high school. I think, I honestly think they just pushed me through so like they would get rid of me, and I'm not even joking. Um, and I knew if something happened, you know, the career that I had, I moved up within the company I was in, but my resume wasn't something that someone else was going to bring me in and let me make the money that I was making. So I started talking to my wife and saying, you know, we need to do something. I'm thinking maybe I need to start a business or maybe go to college or something like that. Now my wife today, she's kind of turned into Wonder Woman, but just 10 short years ago, zero confidence in herself. And I had like three I was level three confidence, she was zero, and that's like on a scale of 100. <laughs> you know, kind of how that was. And I started tell, talking to her, saying, we need to do something. Because if something happens, we're just out of luck. And Melissa was like, no, I'm real happy with where we're at. She was just cool with where we are. And I fought, and she fought, and I fought. And we weren't like fighting, but like just, you know, fighting our positions here. And, and I kind of let it ride. And, and then I'd come back and say, babe, we really need to do something. And same thing would happen again. And I remember one day we lived in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. That's a real town, okay? Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And we were in our bathroom, like getting ready for work one day, or maybe it was a Saturday, I don't know. And I'm coming back to her and I'm like, I've got this idea. I want to start this business on the side. Spoiler alert, I never started it. And it would have failed had I started so I want to do this. And she was like, I just don't feel comfortable doing it. And I'm like, I'm just going to do it on the side. And she's like, I still don't feel comfortable. And then I started turning the table on her saying, you need to do it too. You need to improve yourself. You need to go to college or you need to start a business because 
you know, she, you were literally making minimum wage at the time. And she, she was pushing back and I looked at her and, and I said, and with love, I said, I said, babe, you're worth more than minimum wage. And she didn't shed a tear. You know, a tear didn't run down her eyes or down her cheek. She fell apart. She bawled. You know, just like ugly crying. Hands in her face. Couldn't look at me. She was discouraged. She was embarrassed. Because she couldn't register that she was better than where she was at. And I was just like a little further down the road than her. So that's kind of like the life that we had. Because when I told my wife she was worth more than minimum wage, she just couldn't accept that. And, and I was pretty much the same, just maybe a little further down the road. So I didn't pursue a business because I was comfortable with my career and my salary. I was scared. It's scary to start. Were you scared when you started a business, Brandon? Probably never. Grant's not scared of anything. He just about killed me in the mountain four times today. But, uh, but we were scared. You know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have an invention. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know anything. My wife was terrified. And I had every other excuse in the book. So fast forwarding a little bit, I decided I got so sick of my career. I finally convinced her to let me do a side gig. My, my oldest son heard me talking about it. He was a senior in high school. And uh, he said, let me help you with it, Dad. And I said, cool. And I studied and studied and studied. And, and I wouldn't have been successful because I was so comfortable in my career. And I had that salary, and it was really, really nice. Fortunately, my career helped me out, though, because one day I got a call around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And it was someone that wasn't supposed to tell me this, but he was a good friend of mine that was higher up in the company. He said, and I was like, well, thanks, and you suck. You know, thank you, thank you for warning me, but man, this is terrible. Now, here's the irony. As remember, I said I wanted to start a business. So now we're going to kind of start getting into this entrepreneur thing. About two hours prior to that, I had stumbled across the video on YouTube. Some guy named Keith Kalfas, you probably never heard of him, but um, he's walking through uh, a Home Depot in this video. The title says, how to start a window cleaning company with no money. And he walks through Home Depot, he's got his phone while he's talking, and he goes, buy this, 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 and this. Points of four things. And then he walks out to the front, he's got his camera, and he goes, see this window? Charge $8 for a window like that. Now go start a window cleaning company. So I saw that video, my son came by a couple minutes later, I said, watch this video. He watches it, and I said, now listen, I'm never gonna clean windows because it was beneath me. I, I'm far too good to be a window cleaner, right? I had VP in my title. <laughs> but I said, but if I lost my job tomorrow, that's what I'd do to pay the bills so I figured it out. Kid you not, two hours later, got the phone call from my buddy, let me know, you're getting fired. It was terrifying. I remember laying in bed that night. I couldn't go to sleep. I'm staring at the ceiling. I'm hoping she's not freaking out. It, 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 it was... It was a horrible, horrible thing. The next day, my son and I drove to Home Depot. We pulled that video out. We bought two of everything. We spent about $120 on window cleaning supplies. And four plus years later, we've, went, I don't know, $3 million-ish in revenue and spraying water on stuff and cleaning windows. You know, we, life has changed for us. Now, there's a lot in between that happened, 
but that's kind of like how I got here. Now, just to be clear, it's not $3 million in my pocket. $3 million top line revenue, <laughs> just for the record. I've made a whopping 25 bucks in the last four years. But, uh, but it's been great. It's been a really, really good ride for us. Now, <clears throat> um, so that's a little bit about me, how I got here. Um, Brandon Autumn, they said, Bob, come mess up my employees. I said, I got you, fam. So <laughs> they said, what, what's it like being an entrepreneur? So the first thing is, there's good and there's bad. Now, the good, first off, it's super exciting. It's just the second you say you're going to start a business, you don't know all the heartache that's coming down the pipeline, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm staking my claim in freedom. I'm staking my claim in financial freedom and independence and, and the lifestyles of the rich and famous. And, and that thing that we've all been taught since we've been born and been indoctrin indoctrinated with, which is the American dream. Who knows who Fievel is? Anybody? Anyone old enough? The old people in the room? It's an old cartoon, a mouse that's an immigrant that comes to America where the streets are paved with cheese. Because that's how great it is here. And then Fievel ended up going west a little later. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's exciting to start it. Um, little things are, are huge. I remember when my son and I opened our first bank account. It was like one of the biggest moments of my life. Business bank account, you know. We walked out of the bank, we high-fived each other for opening a bank account. How lame is that? That's as lame as referring to yourself as an influencer, right? It's terrible, that's why I go by guru, that's far more humble. When we, uh, let's see here, hit, hit the space bar, I think, twice. One, two. That's my oldest son, Caleb. He's a younger, less attractive version of me, so. <laughs> When we got our first office space, we literally did carpet angels. It's like a snow angel, but in the carpet, because we live in Florida. We did carpet angels in the floor, because we were just so excited. Because starting a business is cool. It's a lot of fun, all right? You control your own schedule. That doesn't always go as expected, you know? Um, our first, hit that space two more times. Our first, 13 months, we worked seven days a week, at least 12 hours a day. I think we probably took five days off in our first 13 months. This is Winter Park, Florida. So really, really, like there's literally like 10, $12 million homes all around us right there. And the way we built our business at the beginning was passing out flyers. So we bought those plastic clipboards. We put our flyers in them to kind of keep them from getting all bent and it rains every day in Florida, keep them from getting wet. And we're in Winter Park and we snapped this photo. This is literally, this is probably my favorite photo ever. And by the way, in case you guys are wondering, I don't, I don't always have like powdered sugar under my nose or anything. It's just white. It's not cocaine or anything. It's just, it's just like old age and bad luck that it all landed right there. <laughs> But this photo is significant for us because when some people are telling us we couldn't make it, you hear the world say you gotta be rich to get ahead. You know, if you don't, if you don't have money, you can't get money. We were out grinding and out when other companies were complaining that you just can't get there. We were out doing it. And the only reason we stopped handing out flyers that day 
wasn't because it was raining, because we handed out flyers in the room. It was just raining so hard, it's hard to tell in the photo, but it was such a downpour monsoon, the flyers were just getting wet inside of our clipboard. Now, it really wasn't fun. We were smiling in the photo, but it really wasn't fun. It really sucked back then. But this photo is amazing to me because, are, are there any Game of Thrones fans in here? Okay, you can explain this to other people, but we paid the iron price, okay? If you get that reference. We did what it took to earn what we have. And that, that photo represents that for me. So, you control your own schedule, that's cool. It's not always what you think it's gonna be. However, um, I get to do cool stuff like come to Utah and talk to a room full of women. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, ladies. Um, I spend a lot of time at Disney World. We live about 20 minutes from Disney World. So now, uh, I think it was Wednesday this past week. I go to the office, I showed up late, got there about nine. Talked to my office manager for about 10 minutes and said, I want to work remote today. She goes, okay. And I drove to Epcot. I walked to the Canada Pavilion because they're doing food and wine festival. And I got a filet mignon and some cheddar cheese soup. And then I walked over to England and I got a harp lager from England. And I sat at a table and while I had people out pressure washing and making me money, I was drinking a beer and eating a steak and sipping cheese soup. And Mickey Mouse was right next to me. It was awesome. <laughs> so, being an entrepreneur is really, really cool. There's a lot of good. There's also bad. Um, it's also extremely, so I, I wrote up here, it's super exciting, is what one of my notes up here on the good side. On the bad, it's extremely terrible. <laughs> it's just not always fun. Uh, space twice, I think. So this is a day in the life as an entrepreneur. You wake up, you're excited. Oh, this is hard. Oh my gosh, it's working. Oh, I messed up again. Boom, 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 boom. Brand, is this accurate? Like, like 100%. <laughs> here's where it's not accurate. This graph only goes from 8 a.m. till noon. <laughs> And then it repeats two more times before the next 8 a.m. That's the first hour. Yeah. <laughs> but this is just like the absolute truth of being an entrepreneur. Um, one day you come home. You know, I was out and I was knocking on doors saying, can we clean your windows? My son was still in high school, so he'd get off at, get out to me around three o'clock and help me do whatever. If someone said we could clean the windows, he'd show, I'd say, we'll be back at three. And then we'd come clean windows and we didn't know what the heck we were doing. They never looked good. They still paid us anyways, I think, because they felt sorry for us. <laughs> and on days like that, where you go out and you kill it and you drag it home, you get home, you get to the front door, you kick the door in, and you do something like this that door in and then you step one foot in and you say, honey, daddy's home. Because <laughs> he is. <laughs> it's awesome. Unfortunately, the next day, how am I doing on time, guys? I can speed up. 
You I may need to speed up. 25 minutes. Left? Okay, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. All right. Next day, things really don't go quite like they did the day Daddy was home. <laughs> so the next day you get home, you slowly turn the doorknob, you quietly open the door, and then you don't walk in, you just kind of, you do this. You shuffle your feet, then your arms, shoulders, and head kind of do this. And I walk up to my wife. If I'm lying, I'm dying. And you just say, and I'm not even being funny, you just say, babe, will you hold me? Because this is hard. You know, it's really hard. It's really, really scary. And um, that's why this graph is so funny every time I see it, because you literally think you're the king of the world or, or a loser. And there's just really no in-between. Let me find my spot here. So it's terrifying. It's painful. It's discouraging. Even when you have the world's best wife, it's lonely. I got three amazing children that are there for me, and it's still lonely. Oh, by the way, this is the good stuff. <laughs> this is the good side of entrepreneurship, and the bad side, actually. It's depressing, and it's exhausting. You've heard the, the, the phrase, you feel like you take one step forward and two steps back. You know, entrepreneurship, it feels like, you know, you take a step forward, you make progress, and you don't take a step back, but you feel like someone just drop-kicked you in the mouth, and it knocks you about five steps backwards. After 13 months, we made our first hire, Ron. We hired Ron. He was awesome. So I got off the truck. I was no longer spraying bleach and water and stuff. It actually let me fire you guys at the time. Now, not because you all did a bad job, you know, but when I was on the truck, you know, you're cleaning stuff. You're on the ladder. The phone rings. I have to choose. Do I want to be really safe and make it home tonight for sure? Or do I want to pay rent next month and answer this call while I'm on the ladder so I can hopefully have some work tomorrow too? And that's where you guys came in at that stage in those first 13 months. Because we got busy enough cleaning, we couldn't clean and take calls and do the stuff and do the thing. But after 13 months, I was able to hire someone. So I got off the truck and then I was able to run sales appointments and take phone calls. So, no offense, but that's why I was able to, you know, cut you all loose at that point. You guys did, you served us phenomenally. And uh, I took a step, a big step, a huge step forward in our business. We started to scale. I started to delegate and let other people do the stuff. I don't remember exactly how long it was, probably a month after we hired Ron. My, at the time, I think he was 18 years old, son. Now you guys are just hearing the negative stuff. Caleb is 10 times the man I was at his age. But Caleb was young and inexperienced, and he was leading a guy, a man that was older than him. And I got a phone call one day. 
So I'm trying to sell. Actually, I wasn't even out trying to sell. I have this problem with my foot, and every now and then it flares up, and I'll, about twice a year I'm bedridden for a couple of days, and I just can't move. And I was in one of those phases. And um, Caleb calls me, my son, and he was huffy, and he was puffy, and short version of the story, he was complaining about this job he was on and how the customer was unreasonable. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Well, then I, then I get another call on the other line. I hang up, take the call. It's the customer telling me how terrible Caleb and Ron are and how they just told them they must leave our house or leave their house and they're not welcome back. And they're very, very pissed off, quite frankly. And the place is dirtier now than it was when they showed up. And we're a cleaning company. We made it dirtier. I don't even know how you do that. I mean, like, I don't even know how. We didn't bring dirt with us. So I convinced the woman to let me come out the next day and speak with her. She didn't want to, but she, you know, I worked my magic. I get out there and through a long conversation, I convinced them to let me come back out and fix it. Now remember, I'm, I've got a foot problem, but she wouldn't allow them back on the property. So I had to do it. So then I go out, you know, the next day, I'm working, I'm spraying stuff, and while I'm doing it, I'm literally standing on a foot like this, because it, it felt like, you know, this was just on fire. I'm feeling sorry for myself, I'm pouting, after a long day of fixing their stuff that I paid them to do, I'm angry, I'm resentful, I'm being a victim. You just can't grow a business. Everyone was right. No one else is gonna work as hard in your business as you are. No one's gonna care as much as you care. Wah, 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 crybaby just talking, 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 and I'm just listening to them, being the biggest crybaby of them all. And I got to a really dark place. It, um, I've got a video I'm going to share with you in a second. Now, like I mentioned, I'm, I do have a YouTube channel and all that stuff. I, I share my life. I'm pretty open. I usually share the bad more than the good because I think that's what helps people realize they're normal too. And if someone that's having success shares the struggles, then it might give them a little motivation to push through when they struggle. But when I started this YouTube channel, it was just so I could go back and look at it. It was a video diary. And I make videos just for myself that I don't upload and let everyone on YouTube see. So I'll put them on YouTube and make them private. So one day, when I do have all the money and the cool Tesla, and I'm sitting on the beach, sipping my fruity drink, I'm gonna pull my iPad out, and I'm just gonna spend hours on the beach just watching my own journey and realizing that I paid the iron price and, and just enjoying it. Um, this is a video that I recorded not long after that whole situation with Caleb and Ron, who I paid to go make my clients happy and my company better, but instead my own son underachieved and hurt the company and made the clients angry. Uh, hit one, one more, one more time. Pardon the shirt. Except <laughs> future Bob. Hey, hit pause for a second if you don't mind. 
That's all right. Just go back. Um, before we get, get into this, uh, I was a little embarrassed to show a room full of women, me without my shirt on. Um, I think if we can, we might need to turn that up here, and it might be the... I got to turn it the um, I was downright depressed. I'd get my, my crew of two guys out working. My wife would go to her job. I don't know, for probably about two weeks, I would just hide in my bedroom for the rest of the day. And I'd go to sleep, even though I wasn't tired. Because when I was asleep, it was the only time I could escape the living hell of this dream of entrepreneurship that I decided to pursue. So, here we go. Except future Bob. So it's um, middle of May, 2018, and I feel like I've been dealing with some depression, stress, anxiety. I'm scared out of my mind right now. Um, I'm going into my third week of payroll where I've not made enough money to cover payroll. Or, you know, I'm, I'm having to dig into the tax account to be, to, to be able to cover it. And basically, you know, I don't have any real work lined up over the next week. So I don't know how I'm going to make payroll next week. Like I know that I know that I'll be able to succeed. I was lying when I said that. But it sure doesn't feel like it. And I'm scared, I'm stressed. I'm gonna quit. I feel like a I feel like a loser. Like in my chest, 
and even when things are going good, you know, I still feel it. And, um, you know, my family's there for me. Caleb, um, Caleb's there for me. My wife's there for me. But this is still really hard right now. entrepreneurship to me. I wish I could tell you, you can hit the space bar one more time, Brent. I wish I could tell you that was the only time I've actually went through a phase like that since I've started my business in the last four and a half years, but it's not. Um, I've got a good friend. This could be a whole talk, but Surround yourself with good people. Because that's like the key, I think, to living the life that, that you want. But he knew I was going through this, and he sent me this book. And it's called Discipline Equals Freedom. It's by Jocko Willink. You actually have one of his books in your library, I saw, uh, The Dichotomy of Leadership. And this is an excerpt from this book. It's not real long. It's called Weakness. It's like a poem. He says, do I have weakness? This is a Navy SEAL. He was like a man of men. Do I have weakness? I am nothing but weakness. I'm not naturally strong or fast or flexible. I'm certainly not the smartest person in the world. I get emotional over stupid things. I eat the wrong foods. I don't sleep enough. I procrastinate and I waste time. I care too much about meaningless things and not enough about important things. My ego is too big. My mind is too small, often trapped inside itself. Now, all of that being said, I have a saying, a person's strength is often their weakness or their biggest weakness, but their weakness can become strengths. Me, I am weak. In all those ways, I am weak. That's the first half of it. That's why you can't grow a business. He says, but I don't accept that. I don't accept that I am what I am and that that is what I'm doomed to be. No, I do not accept that. I'm fighting, I'm always fighting. I'm struggling and I'm scraping and kicking and clawing at those weaknesses to change them, to stop them. Some days I win, but some days I don't. But each and every day I get back up and I move forward. With my fist clenched toward the battle, toward the struggle, and I fight with everything I've got. To overcome those weaknesses and those shortfalls and those flaws as I strive to be just a little bit better today than I was yesterday. My best friend Josh said that to me. It was the right thing at the right time. And that's when I kind of had this moment where I realized that's why I can't be successful as an entrepreneur. And that's why I can be successful as an entrepreneur. So that's the good and the bad. That's kind of like 
inside the brain of an entrepreneur. How much time do I got left? Okay. So guys, I'm going to rush a little bit here. I'm sorry. I'm long-winded. That's the good and the bad. However, it's worth it. There's a lot more bad than good things, but the good things are really, really good. I can promise you these two, could, they might get up here and say, oh my gosh, Bobby just read our mail today. But I know one of the best things, that you haven't even said this to me, is, a, is this room of people. The fact that they've got a team that lifts them up and supports them. I can say the same. skip a little bit here. So so I was asked to talk about what, why the wow experience is important to me and my business and kind of how that ties in with you guys and what you guys do for people like me. People from, like my wife who also owns a service business. Why is the wow experience? Now we, we just call it, the, we call it the fuzzy blanket experience in my company and you guys call it the wow experience. It's the same thing. One of my business partners always says, Bobby, when you leave a customer's home, they don't remember what you did for them. Jills, when you hang up the phone with one of your clients or one of your client's clients, they're not going to remember what you did for them. And then he says, but they will remember how you made them feel. So you want to make sure that we made them feel like We've wrapped a warm, fuzzy blanket around them. So just imagine your least favorite client. Hopefully it's not PRT pressure washing. <laughs> and then just imagine them wearing a Snuggie. And that's your goal, all right? <laughs> you want to put that jerk in a Snuggie. Okay? <laughs> and then push him into a pool. <laughs> all right. So why is the wow, wow thing so important? Really, we all know why. We started businesses to make money. We didn't start a business to help people, because I just started charity. We didn't start a business to give people a place to go, because we just started a social club. We started it to make money. So why is the wow factor important? Because pressure washing isn't what does it for us. Because the customers, they don't care. They didn't want their thing pressure washed anyway. The HOA just made them do it. But they will remember the interactions they had with us. Give me just a second. I'm going to mentally cut out what I need to cut out here. Right, we're not going to talk about the e-myth. Make sure to read it. Um, has anyone read the e-myth? Is that one of your books? No? Okay. It's a book that talks about why businesses fail and people start businesses because they're technicians and they think well if I do all the work if I take all the calls why should Brent and Autumn get the money that's not right I'm going to start my own call center which you guys are not a call center so don't ever say that I'm going to start my own whatever the heck Jill's is because it's a, <laughs> it's not an apple or an orange it's a pear it can't be compared to anything But then you start it and then you don't realize, oh crap, I forgot about all this stuff. And not just the depression, <laughs> but 
the P&L and the marketing and the sales and the leadership and the, the, the development of your people. And the reason so many businesses fail is they think, well, if I just answer the phone the best, or if I just clean the roof the best, then I'll have the best company. But here's the honest to God truth is, in my company, we probably clean things at an 8 out of 10. Now, as a client, you can't tell the difference between an 8 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. But we probably, we don't do perfect jobs. But I have competitors that do much better work than us in our area. They do 10 out of 10 work. We focus on the fuzzy blanket. They focus on those two points out of 10 that the customer can't see anyway. So my competitors say, people just won't give you Google reviews. My competitors say, people aren't willing to pay for our services. They, they want cheap, cheap, cheap work. You can't, can't charge enough around here. You just can't make it. And then I focus on the fuzzy blanket and I say, we've got over 600 Google reviews that are five stars. We have an average ticket price that's like three times yours. And my customers keep coming back and telling other people about us. Because we didn't focus on, you know, the phone call, which you do gotta focus on that. Don't take me out of context here. But we focus on making sure our customers felt appreciated felt loved and we addressed their issues. I went through our whole customer life cycle, but I decided to talk too much about something, I don't know, so I can't get into it. Subscribe to my podcast, I'll do it on there. <laughs> Journeyintheentrepreneur.com. <laughs> so I'm gonna wrap this up. Has this made sense? I'm not asking if you liked it or not, but has this been a coherent, like, you guys hear where I'm going? Okay, okay. Because I'm skipping some stuff. So here's the deal. Every competitor that you have is going to do what you're doing. So for me, they're all going to answer the phone. They're all going to be somewhat professional. They're all going to do a good job cleaning. Because they're my competitors. They're in business. The ones that don't do that stuff won't be in business. So all your competitors, they do what you do. Some charge more, some charge less. Some like firing people, some don't. Yeah. That was an inside joke. Brandon told me he's gonna fire four of you today, just in random, just to scare the rest of you guys. But they all do the same things. So what separates us from the other people. There's not one big thing you can do. You can't do one big thing to separate yourself from the competitors. So it's the little ones. It's the little things that make the big differences. It's how you answer the phone. I actually don't know your script, but I've got a script for my office manager. It's very specific, and I hear her do it all day long. And she does it exactly like we, we, we scripted it out. And it works great, because it's strategic for the customer. We get good Google reviews because of that phone script that we use when we call, or when they call, and the script my salespeople use when they go out, and the script my technicians use, and my responsive follow-up sequences, and my SendGem automated voicemails, and all these things 
they don't just happen, but they happen strategically. And there's little things, I mean, I'll come back tomorrow and we'll go through all the little things, okay? But there's all these little things that make the huge impact. So if I could encourage you guys, you know, in your own thing, is realize there's not one big boulder that's gonna make your wall bigger than your competitor's wall. It's just 10,000 more bricks. Just a bunch of little things. They get stacked one on top of another, on top of another. So, so here's the deal. My life's not a mess. I let you guys in on the messy stuff. I hang out at Mickey Mouse's house a lot. I got a pretty cool life. I got a sexy wife. I've got okay kids. <laughs> but, but how do you guys help someone like me how do you help me specifically? I'm gonna be a little mushy, a little gooey gooey here. But how do you how do you help other entrepreneurs like me? Now, first, you give me a break. When I was in those first 13 months, I didn't have to I didn't have to uh, answer the phone when I was on the ladder. You literally helped my wife let her husband come home because I didn't have to choose between being safe, paying the bills because you guys did it. You gave me an ally. You helped me with my loneliness. You helped me with the discouragement. I'm probably gonna be 90 seconds over. You help us with results. Why'd we start a business to make money? You can actually quote services from my business to the customer. You're in freaking Utah, I'm in Orlando, and you can schedule it through CrewCal. How freaking awesome is that? And I was on a ladder cleaning gutters. You give me results. And this sounds gooey gooey, guys, but I mean it with all my heart. I, I genuinely mean it. I'm a straight shooter. But, but you gave me hope. I can do this because, can you see my goosebumps? <laughs> I'm not even kidding. You guys, you guys helped us do $3 million of spring water on stuff. You helped us go from aimless with no real goals to being the captains of our own ship, making our lives what we want it to be. There's sticking points in businesses. I left you guys because I got to a point I didn't need you anymore. And then now my business has grown again. Now we have you guys again. We use you when we have our meetings and we do this and that. And when I'm at the huge convention in a couple weeks, you guys are going to be taking all of our calls. Because my office manager decided to go to a stinking wedding while I was in the huge convention. Fire. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys give us hope. And um, I hope you understand the sincerity in that. I've heard people that try to be motivational speakers and they want to throw something like hope out there just to make it sound impactful. But I promise you, you, you guys are the first people that have ever publicly seen that video, by the way. I've never shared that with anyone except for my, my buddy Josh that sent me the book. But I promise you, I guarantee you, I've got a podcast, I've got a YouTube channel, I'm one of the owners of the huge convention, I know a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm not the only guy that deals with that crap. And you guys are impacting those people. So, thank you.